Yeah, I don't know how to start. I've never done that before. What should I say? Uh, I would start by talking about the song. <laughs> yeah, I know. I just... Welcome, everybody, to episode 18 of Rhythm Encounter, the RPG Fan Music Podcast. I'm your host, Laszlo Jones, Stephen Myring, Talos on the boards, and joining me today is my perennial co-host, as of last time. Hey, guys, Caitlin Ardros, Link is our on the boards. And also joining us is perennial guest star. Still perennial guest star. <laughs> I'm Mike, Mike on the boards. So today's topic, character themes, this is not one I thought of, but it's a really good one. And I had a lot of fun picking tracks for this. And you guys, I think we, I, I told you before the show, you guys sort of picked all the tracks that I would have wanted anyway. So I went and tried to find stuff that was like off the beaten path and get some new stuff on the show too, which worked out well. Although you guys did that too. So kudos to you. But before <laughs> that, as always, we're going to do recent albums. I've been hilariously lazy when it comes to updating the music section lately because we're sort of in the process of turning the site over to a new format. Since we haven't posted any reviews, I just sort of picked some recent music. And some of this is as recent as today. And so the first track we're going to be listening to is Braving the Battle, which is a special boss theme from Terror Battle, which is by Nobu Uematsu. This, so I've been playing Terror Battle. I talked about it on a random encounter. It's sort of like, it's still a mobile game, but I like it. And the, pr the presentation is great. And most importantly, the music is awesome. But this is the Metal Zone battle theme if you're playing Terror Battle. Uh, following that, there is, it's sort of untitled, but this is the theme from the most recent Final Fantasy XV trailer, which I absolutely adore, and it came out literally this morning, so I was super excited to get it on the show. And that's actually, that's Yoko Shimomura and recorded by the video game orchestra, who also worked on Kingdom Hearts 2.5. And then the final track we'll be listening to is the modern version uh, from Pierce Solar and the Great Architects, the boss theme. And the reason I say modern version is because the game has a 16-bit version of every track, and then a sort of ps1 era version of each track and so we're going to be listening to the more recent one so coming up braving the battle trailer theme from 15 and boss battle from pure solar
So what I really like about Braving the Battle, aside from the fact that it's sort of inappropriate because in Terra Battle, basically there are these there are story battles which you can do, which have their own you know battle theme and boss theme, and then you can do these like side things in the, the optional area to get tons of XP. And that's where this plays. So this sort of kind of dramatic boss theme plays in an area of absolutely no consequence. That's the nature of the mobile platform, I guess. But I just it's so quintessential Uematsu that synth in there. It just reminds me of Lost Odyssey so hard. Yeah, it sounds like it's meant for something much bigger than the way you describe it. Although maybe the idea is that you're probably going to be doing those kind of battles a lot, so at least you get to hear the song a lot. Yeah, in theory. But it's it's you know, yeah, that's a good that's a good assessment. It makes me want to do the battles more often, you know, and they cost more stamina, which you know you can either pay to recharge or wait. So you know maybe they think with people like me, I'll go do that battle instead of a story battle, so it'll take me longer to play, and maybe I'll buy more energy. Or because just... of the song. I wouldn't put it past me. It's interesting that you, say, you mentioned Lost Odyssey because I mentioned this while we were listening to it. It reminds me of Final Fantasy X's main battle theme, the sort of the synthy sound that I really feel like it was meant to sound synthy, not like, you know, they couldn't quite get an orchestral sound out of it the way it sounds in the remaster. Yeah, like and, it was supposed to be that way originally. Yeah. I like that. I like that mixing the synth with the, the more, you know, bombastic, you know, orchestral. Uh, sounds. Yeah, I think that's special. That's especially evident in the bridge part. I mean, I guess that's sort of meant, meant to sound like you know brassy with like the, the the bells and stuff. But it's it has that typical. I wouldn't say it's always typical of Uematsu, but like you think about like Final Fantasy VII, the battle theme has that amazing bridge that I bring up in every episode. Uh, this sort of has a really awesome bridge too. That's like the most dramatic part. And I don't know if that's just a thing he does or a thing a lot of musicians do, but it's definitely something I'm identifying here. And then after that, we listen to the trailer theme from Final Fantasy XV. So I don't know that it has a song yet. It's not Omnis Lacrima, which is from the trailer last year. This is the one from this year's E3 trailer, or this year's um, Tokyo Game Show trailer. That song, Caitlin made a really good point that I'm going to steal. And she said it's sort of interesting to have a song like that, which it feels like a movement and it feels really dramatic. And it's interesting to sort of have that accompanying basically the road trip, you know, because... The first part of the the trailer is where it shows, like, you know, the the other characters that aren't involved with, you know, the road trip thing. And, you know, there's no grilling or fighting in the open fields. And then the second part, when it gets very formal, is where it shows them walking out in the fields. So, I mean, it's an interesting take on the tone that game is going for. But, like, the sort of, like, uh, that's not syncopated, but, like, it feels like a waltz. And I just love it. Yeah, that that was exactly what I I said. Uh, It has that... Such a thief. Yeah. I know. Well, you know, you can hear it hit, you know, one, two, three, one, two, three. And I, I, what I wrote down was it's like ballroom dancing meets politics because it sounds like a dance, but it also sounds really dramatic, like stuff is going down. Yeah. Which, like you mentioned, is really interesting because the visuals are all exploration and bro trip and things like that. So I'm, I'm, I'm really curious. I'm, Curious to hear more uh, from the soundtrack, and obviously, of course, more from the game. But music is important. So yeah, I, I sort of I talked about this with Derek a little bit a few months ago. We were saying how we actually really can't wait to hear the music from Fifteen that is not these big epic moments. It's like the town themes and stuff, the more the calmer music, because I feel like there's a lot of personality that can be held in those. And just I'm really interested to see where they're going musically with the game because it's. I would say that. Right now, the tone is sort of eclectic. Like, you have, like, 
you know, an expensive sports car driving dudes around a field while they're grilling, fighting with teleporting swords. Like some might call that messy, uh, but it's I the music makes has an interesting way of pulling it together that I like so far. That sounds awesome to me. I want that. Yeah. Well, yeah, I want that too. My roommate's behind me and I, I want to think I have good taste. And then the last one we listened to was Boss Battle from Pure Solar. And that's the the more modern version. Um, if you're playing the, the re-release, the HD re-release, this is the one that plays in the uh, the not 16-bit version of the game. And so my main comment I wrote is, wow, 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 90s anime guitar. And I think that's probably a good assessment of the song. I'd agree. Yeah, I like the way it starts off. It just kind of like goes for it. And I, I was like, wow, I just got slapped in the face by awesome. Yeah, like, you know, it really gives me like a Sega CD lunar type vibe, which, you know, is probably intentional given the game's pedigree and, you know, their ins- inspirations. You know, it just it really makes me feel like I'm like watching some in- an Internet video, not on YouTube, because this is prior to that. Where, you know, some guy took a cool song from, like, Falcom and put it to his favorite anime. But it's cool how it sounds like it's bridging between the original and the remastered, or the, you know, the remastered. It's, it's got elements of both into it, which is, the guitar coming in really surprised me. Because at first I thought, okay, well, it's going to sound like this for the rest of the track. And then suddenly it's like psychedelic rock guitar. And I'm like, rock guitar, <sighs> rock guitar, I like that. Rock guitar. It does give me kind of a Falcom vibe to it. I like that. Yeah, they you know, just love their guitars, and I'm totally cool with that. And it the has guitars like, are awesome. Yeah, yeah, and like with the guitar, there's that sequence about halfway through where you have like the synth piano going on it. It's just, it's 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 rocking good. It's uh, when I first played the game, you know, the the new re-release, and I was listening to that. I was like, this is just so cool. Yeah, I was actually gonna. I haven't really paid attention to the game because I was going to buy it, and then I found out that it's not on Wii U yet. And then just to, just today got announced that it's coming out, what, next month? Yeah, very soon. I think it was next month, they said. Yeah. And then we can all try to pronounce the composer's name together. It's Vereshidane uh, Kunstler. Oh, it's better than I could do. Hey, that was perfect. I asked him. Oh, well, there you go. I didn't, actually. I made that up. Yeah, it's 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 a cool game. It's it's you know it's very traditional. So like it it adheres to a lot of older tropes. You know, like random battles and sort of slower paced combat. But you know, if you like that, like if you miss games like Lunar, then you know it's definitely something worth checking out. And it does have it, it has quite a bit of charm. I really do miss Lunar. Actually, you could play Lunar Dragon Song. I could. Should I? No. Okay. And that seems as good a time as any to introduce our topic. So I think I think you guys sort of dreamt this one up. I know it was something I had been thinking about because I had a ton of songs in the back of my head slash notepad written down for when we wanted to talk about character themes. And so the sort of guidelines we went with here, you know, of course, Sora's theme counts. It's a, it's a character theme. It accompanies a character or like a group of characters. Or, you know, like if you had the Tantalus theme from Final Fantasy IX, that's sort of a group of characters. Um, so... We sort of went with that as the tack. And I think what's cool about these kinds of songs is because I think these are the ones you remember a lot. You know, think, for example, Caitlin will get this one, Albedo's theme. That one's, that's a tone setter. You hear that song or like Albedo's theme or, you know, we'll go even more general, Sephiroth's theme. You know when you hear that really heavy brass and like that, you know what's about to happen. You know that this has something to do with him. Why are you picking, like, the scary bad guy themes? Well, because uh, basically just to point out 
you know how quickly I like bad guys, okay? But you, you, those things, you get that association going, and if it's done well, the music is just it, it. It puts you in the mind of that character. Like Zidane's theme is very upbeat. Queen's theme is amazing, and neither of those are featured here. Womp womp. Part two. Yeah, part two. But I, I think that's what's really cool about character themes is that you know they're not like battle themes where you know it's easy to like a battle theme, but you know the character theme. You know when you're trying to encompass a character in music, it's an interesting challenge because you could end up sort of interpreting it differently. Like, imagine if Albedo's theme was like, I don't know, happy and upbeat. He wouldn't be nearly as threatening as he is, but that creepy song with, like, the moaning and stuff. See, now I want to play the game, but instead of his theme coming up, it's like the Katamari theme yes. plays when he walks onto the screen. I would play oh, an entire I would play an entire Xenosaga where Albedo's theme was Katamari Damacy. <laughs> so that right, seems like as good, good a time as any to start with the picks. Uh, Mike, you picked our first one. Did I? You did. Oh, yeah. Yeah, actually, when we talked about this theme, this is the very, I don't know why, of all the random songs, this was the very first one that came to mind. But it's uh, Yuffie's theme from Final Fantasy VII. And that's all I'm going to say until we listen to it. Yes. Um, Descendants of Shinobi. Yes. Uh, Caitlin picked our next song. Yeah, uh, so I tried really hard not to pick from Xenoblade again, but I couldn't help it because I love... This character. This is uh, Ricky's tenderness from Xenoblade. Um, it's Hirudo, a, it's <laughs> a, a ver, it's a variation of his. It's not his actual main theme. It's a variation that plays during a specific cutscene. But I love it for reasons that I will discuss after we listen to it. And then Stephen, you had the next pick. Yes, I had the next pick, and you guys knew it was coming. It's Sora's theme. But rather, and from Kingdom Hearts, but rather than one of the in-game versions, I picked the recently released Project Estadi Volume 1 uh, because it works in some other character themes and other tunes from the series into the song, and it's a really great production. And I actually am in the process of reviewing this album, but it's there's the arrangement is very sort of... There's a lot of attention to detail in terms of how the character relationships work vis-a-vis the music. So I wanted to pick this one just to sort of showcase how mature the arrangement is in it. So... Without further ado, Descent of Shinobi, Ricky's Tenderness, and Sora.
I'm going to talk about that song before Stephen does, because I'm worried that he's going to steal what I was going to say about it. If you say so, shaking her thing, I'm going to be very upset. I'm not going to say that. Okay. No, but actually I was originally going to describe that song as it. I ended up with bouncy and charming as my two words, but I was going to go with innocent. And then I realized it's Yuffie. Wow. I used, <laughs> I used all three of those words in my notes. I wrote bouncy, innocent vibe and charming. Yeah, I, which is I a little used, hilarious. Oh, sorry. That's good I though. Playful, happy, and carefree. Those all those are all words that you can describe Yuffie with, and I wonder if it's because we know her character or because of the song. Maybe both. I think the song really works with her character. And Definitely. Are you the one? Because I have this in my notes, but because I took notes this time. But are you the one that described her as a Valley Girl Ninja? I feel like you are recently. Maybe that was me. That was I, not. I'm going to give you familiar. the credit. Because uh, I'll take the credit happily. That's what I think of now. Whenever you see her, and it's like, oh, she's a ninja. And then she does something silly and screams out, oh, God. Oh, God. Oh, God. Dorcas. G-A-G-A-W-D. G-A-W-D. I had to think in my head for a second how she spelled it because, yeah. Oh, God. I always think of it as like she has this like, at least in terms of the song, she has like this rural but innocent vibe. Like as if she's some girl from like a provincial town, which she kind of is. But like – you know, she's left and become, you know, a person who jacks your materia. But I don't know, I just feel like this suits her really well. And I, I, I suspect that a lot of this episode is going to be, I think this suits the character really well. In part because of what I said earlier, that I feel like the way a character is presented is tied into the way they're musically presented 
could also just be that the musicians are excellent at setting the vibe. Yeah. No, yeah, that's well, a good point. Like, it's it's hard to hate her even though she steals your material because her theme is so bubbly and happy. And because I get Leviathan at the top of her house. That helps. That too. That's not really related to her personality, but it does make me happy. Yeah, I, I think that is going to be the episode, since that's probably why we picked a lot of what we picked, because they fit the character. So maybe in part two, we should pick a lot of songs that don't fit the character at all. Because there are a lot of those. Yeah, just Ooh. to balance it out. Actually, I almost picked Robo's theme, so spoiler alert, it's not in this, and it breaks my heart that it's not, because that theme is just like chest-beatingly awesome, and it sounds like never going to give you up. It is never going to give you up. <laughs> yeah, we like Yuffie's theme. Yes. I also really you like the one Yuffie. you picked, Caitlin. I like that. I do like Yuffie. But uh, Ricky's Tenderness is like such a sweet song. It's like the only thing I can describe it with because having not made it to that part of the game yet, haven't seen Ricky. My only experience with Ricky is as an assist trophy in the new Smash when he comes out and goes, Hero to Hero! And we get happy, happy! And it makes me <laughs> laugh, but I don't really get it. Well, I'll try to explain without spoiling you or the listeners that much. Um, so Ricky is a, he's the fluffy, cute Nopon character, sort of like the mascot character, if you will, from the game. And when he's introduced, he comes off as the joke character. He's like, he's supposed to be the legendary Hiropon, but he's kind of a town joke and he's kind of a deadbeat and you're, you're meant to kind of chuckle at his antics. And you kind of think that that's all he's about until two-thirds or so of the way through the game, there's some serious stuff that happens, and the party gets split up, and Ricky is with another character, Dunban, and they're talking about family issues, and Ricky has some really sage advice for Dunban, and you realize he's not just a funny character, he's got a family himself, he knows things, he's smart in his own way, and that's what I love about this track. It's not strictly his main theme his main theme is much more upbeat and happy and it plays during funny moments in the game like when he's introduced to the party this is quieter and well tender more tender i don't know more tenderer <laughs> tenderer you know, making up words on this podcast um we do that a lot it's much more sentimental and it really fits that scene and that sort of realization that the player gets that there's more to this character than you first thought when you saw him and that's why i love it so much and it's just just it's a really beautiful theme that kind of goes through a couple of movements it starts off with the music box and then you've got some harp and strings and then it kind of crescendos and then you get the whistle at the end which is coming from the original track and it's just so it's a beautiful way to end the track, I think, and tie it back into the main theme as well. So he's the Zealous of Xenoblade. Uh, well, sort of, but not in... Well, actually, yes. Okay, he does kind of hit on the girls, so... Well, well what's interesting is also that he has two versions of his theme, uh, a happy, upbeat version. Like, Zealous has that... like, But then he has the serious version of his theme that plays if he joins your party. And like when he's like, hey, everybody always gives me crap, but you were cool to me. The whole time you were talking, I was like, I feel like this is also how you can look at Zelos. Like, he's sort of seen as a joke. And, you know, even though he's purportedly important, he doesn't have near the respect Colette gets. You know, and he has, like, a serious version of his theme song that's really interesting. And now I wish I picked Zelos' theme. Well, part mm-hmm. two, remember? But yeah, I, I really like that song, too. And I agree with pretty much everything you said about it. I like the sort of movement of it from music box to this a little more, slightly, not dramatic, but 
a little more full type of sound. And I love yeah. characters like that too that come off as joke character and then sort of turn out to be a little more interesting than that. Like Zidane. Zidane's never a joke. What are you talking about? Oh, I don't know. Um, yeah, I like the whole song. Um, I think my favorite part is still the music box because I'm kind of a sucker for like music box themes in this. Or listen to the Final know. Fantasy XI music box album. They have that. Yeah, Final Fantasy XI music box adventures. We played it on our episode when Casey Orman was on the show. Okay, I'm gonna go buy that. So, how long does it take to get to Japan? It's only four tracks actually, or five tracks, and you can't buy it. But we reviewed it. Well, I'm not gonna get it then. <laughs> Moving on. I think the last track. I sort of could talk at great length. Um, you know, I feel very strongly about Kingdom Hearts music. We talk about that a lot. I don't want to belabor that. One of the things that I always find very great about Kingdom Hearts music is that I think Shimamura and occasionally the guest composers that help out in the handheld titles really do a good job of sort of telling the story of the characters through the music. And this is sort of evidenced by the fact that the final boss of Birth by Sleep is a character that's very close to the other characters. And this character has a lot of relations to various people throughout the series. And so the final boss song is basically a combination of different characters' themes as they relate. And so I really feel like the whole the series as a whole does a great job of giving you a sort of musical continuity through the, through the music that could sort of tell you the story. And that's why I think one of the many strengths of Project Estadi is, is that this is sort of the project that you couldn't get unless you were close to the series because they're all, every musician involved with Project Estadi is a big fan of Kingdom Hearts. And Kingdom Hearts music. And so you get a lot of tracks where it's like, hey, this is Riku's theme. But there's also a few phrases from another character's theme or another battle theme that relates to him. And so they've sort of arranged it in such a way that you get a lot of hints at what else is happening in the broader series. And I think this song does a great job of that. It's mostly just Sora's theme. And I, I actually, upon re-listening to it, I think it's actually just Sora's theme. But it's sort of arranged into a couple of different movements where they take that main melody of the theme and then they have the piano in the background during the first part and then they have a, like the switch to I think it's the oboe around 148 and then it gets a little more dramatic around 220 and sort of it and then it gets slower paced and more contemplative and I sort of like to think of that as it's reflecting the progression of the character and Kingdom Hearts has a silly story now at this point and Sora's, Sora's superpower is basically that he's done you know, if you can sort of abstract that and think about the character as a whole, like he goes from kid on an island to doing this more dramatic stuff. And then his friend turns out to be sort of evil, but not evil. And just, you know, his progress as a character sort of tracked through this song. And I really liked that they did that with his theme music, too. I guess you and I are going to have to um, really expand on this one, Caitlin, because Stephen Harley obviously has very little uh, input on it. <laughs> Fair point. Oh, that was it? Oh, that was that was the lead-in for you. Title of my second. Oh, okay. All right. Break. <laughs> yeah. Well, so what I love about this track and the entire album is, well, first off, that you can really hear in every piece how much love and respect they have for the game. I agree. Um, I would very. I mean, it's all great music. I love the Kingdom Hearts soundtracks, but I would love to hear what they can do with other games too. Because I mean, there you get fan albums uh, of, of games all the time, but I would love to hear their take on uh, other games. Not that Kingdom Hearts music isn't worthy of it, it is, but just it's something really special, I think, to hear. Um, I love all the instruments and the arrangements, and I think uh, what I was thinking when I listened to the album for the first time, and this track included, was that this is a great example of how video game music can 
appeal not just to fans of the game or fans of video game music in general, but just fans of music. I think you could play this for anyone who likes music and they would find something to like about it. And that's really special, I think. Yeah, no, I totally agree. And I, I, I agree that I would like to hear what else they can do with other things. And they have. But I also sort of think it would be tough, too, because you need that sort of attachment to the series, I think, to provide music that's sort of this thoughtful. I mean, not that it would be impossible, but I think part of the arrangement of this comes from the, the musician. And I don't think it's out of out of bounds to say that a musician has emotional ties to their music. So I think their history with the series sort of matters in the case of this arrangement. So not that I don't think they could do this for another series, but I feel like they would need that similar level of passion for the material and knowledge of it in order to make it sound as consistent with the source as it does. How far? Because I I love the album. I've listened to the whole thing, but I don't know how far they're going to go with it. Like, they are do. they doing the entire soundtrack? Are they doing Kingdom Hearts 2? So this is not all Kingdom Hearts 1 music. This is Kingdom Hearts 1 and 2 music. Source theme is from Kingdom Hearts 2. It starts there. Um, and they sort of picked songs from throughout the series. There's a couple Birth by Sleep tracks, a couple 1 and 2 tracks. They're doing another volume. I don't know the extent of how many volumes they're going to do, but they are going to be covering a lot of the music from the series. But it's not a Blake Robinson type thing or a, you know, Sean Shafiansky's rearranged soundtracks type thing where they're just going one-to-one for each track. Right. They're picking and choosing and arranging. Yeah, I like that. I love what they did with this track. Absolutely. It's fitting that you mentioned Blake Robinson because he's coming up in our next block of tracks. But starting that block off is my pick, Jude's theme from Tales of Exilia. Kind of a last-minute pick for me, but there's some interesting things to, to sort of take from the music as and apply it to Jude's character, so uh, that's what I'm looking forward to talking about. Yeah, you originally um, had Fenris's theme, which I loved, but we already played it, so we had to pick something different. I just wanted the listeners to know that that was going to be on, but we already played yes. it. Yes. But it is a great song. Poor and then, uh, Stephen, I think you had the next pick. I did. So I went, uh, I went back in history. I went to a Sega Saturn title that I... Played in my halcyon days of being a young, young man. Clearly, I've been drinking gin. But yeah, so this is the uh, one of my favorite shining games that my dad sold at a yard sale by accident. Shining the Holy Ark. This is Arthur Melody and Forte. It's the character for those, the track for those particular characters, and it's by Motoi Sakuraba, which is funny because your track is by him as well, Caitlin. And then uh, Mike, I believe you picked the third one. I don't believe I know because I wrote it. You believe I did. I do believe in you, but I also know. Oh. Well, I appreciate that. Uh, yeah, I picked Shala's theme from Chrono Trigger, although this is the Chrono Trigger symphony version that Blake Robinson arranged. For his synthetic orchestra. For his, yes. And it's a great track. Lovely track. Speaking of that great track and Caitlin's excellent segue to off this whole block, let's go ahead and take a listen to Jude's theme, Arthur Melody and Forte, and Shala's theme.
So Jude's theme is really interesting to me for a couple of reasons. Um, first off, I I like his character. I, he's he gets some flack among Tales fans, but I enjoyed it, even though his character arc gets a little bit drawn out, I guess. It's all about him trying to find a reason to fight and follow Mila, whom he kind of, like, you know, hero worships, and everyone else finds their reason, and it takes him a while. And But I think that that's why I like this theme, because it really kind of reflects that, about him growing up, becoming stronger, finding a reason for himself to be there and to, to be to be fighting. Um, I mean, the instrumentation itself really lends itself to that. Uh, you know, all the brass, it's, it's pretty much like it's brass, the song, because I think there's some strings, but it's predominantly brass. Yeah, um, there's like a, a big swelling brass sound to it that sort of gives it like a little bit of drama to it. Yeah. Like admittedly, like I, Jude is not my favorite Tales protagonist, probably by a long shot, just because... Again, I think his character arc is sort of not enough development drawn out over maybe too long of a period versus like, you know, Luke where stuff is sort of happening pretty often with him or, you know, Lloyd or even Yuri is a great example too. But I actually do think this suits his character, which is an interesting character because he's sort of unusual. He's sort of a, a squirrely med student rather than, you know, your usual like epic hero with a sword. So I, I, I think this A suits him well and B, he is an interesting character with this sort of song. Yeah, that's a really good point. Cause one of the things I was thinking about and considering his theme and Mila's theme is that they did some interesting gender reversal things with their character. Cause Mila is the leader. She's the one who moves the plot. She's the, the in a lot of ways, she's the main protagonist and Jude is taking the more, you know, traditional, I don't want to call him feminine, but he's passive, he's hesitant to fight, he's a healer, all kind of traits that are more traditionally stereotypically associated with a female character. And yet his theme is very strong and kind of masculine sounding, so it's just kind of an interesting juxtaposition for him. Yeah, I would agree. Like, he still fights very cool, but I think he does sort of subvert a lot of, especially for a Tales series, tropes. Mm Mm-hmm. Kind of has almost a regal sound to me. I don't know. It, it reminds me not regal Bryant from Tales of Symphonia, but regal as in fancy, as in like big, big honking castle. Yeah. It, I, I hate saying this because I, I know I, I think this composer gets a lot of flack for this, but it there's a song in Star Ocean two, and I can't think of what it is, but this reminds me a lot of. I think it's one of the castle themes or something. It's a good thing. I like the song. I like the song. But it, it definitely gives me that. Maybe that's why I think it sounds that way. I, I, I think, and again, I, I don't mean to, to sort of tease Sakuraba because he's shown that he has a lot of a lot of flexibility in terms of how he composes. But I think te- his Tales music can sort of, and his Star Ocean music, people definitely sort of conflate all those things together. And not necessarily that it's a bad thing. He has a very distinctive sound, which yeah. is sort of a pretty good segue into Shining the Holy Arcs track, which is Arthur Melody and Forte. And this is the theme song for the four main characters, which uh, if you haven't played it, it's to, to give a very brief summary. If you've played Shining in, Shining in the Darkness, the Sega Genesis first person dungeon crawler, this is sort of a Saturn quasi sequel to that. It takes place in the same world as Shining Force 3. And, you know, it, it it's a pretty cool game. It's a little traditional, but I mean, I played it as a kid and it was a lot of fun. But uh, what I what I like about this song is that it's sort of I get a Golden Sun vibe out of it. And I think that what vibe you get out of this song sort of 
will tie into what other games that Sakuraba has done you've played. But this definitely gives me like a Golden Sun, Shining Force 3 vibe, which isn't necessarily a bad thing. But I, I do think that in some regards, Sakuraba's music can sort of, it can be hard to differentiate because he sort of has a very consistent style in these games. But it still sounds really cool. Yeah, I was actually thinking when I was listening to it, because I haven't played the game, and I was like, this sounds like Star Ocean 2, which was the first game <laughs> that I played that he scored. And yep. then I looked it up, and I was like, composed by Motoi Sakuraba. And I was like, yay, I was right. It is him. It sure um, is. And, I mean, I, I actually, you know, I like Sakuraba a lot, uh, so I'm always kind of pleased when I hear music that I think is him, and I find out it is him, because I like kind of listening to what he has to do. And sometimes... He does kind of step away from, you know, the traditional tale Star Ocean format, and that's always nice to find those kind of gems. Beyond the um, Labyrinth is a great example of him stepping away from that. It sounds very different from his usual style. That was a DS RPG, I think. I don't I don't think it came out here. But yeah, you know, I feel like this this kind of music makes me feel young because he did so many of those like classic RPGs that people remember, like Star Ocean and Shining Force and this one and you know, it I sort of I don't know, it's hard to articulate. I just I'm sure a lot of people feel the same way. This just reminds you of being younger because he was so prolific for such a long time. That's a good way of putting it. Speaking of a good way of putting it, that's a terrible segue. I don't think that works. It doesn't work, Mike, but I'm, I'm doing it anyway. No, the, the proper segue would have been about childhood and favorites and stuff childhood. like that. Well, see, it makes me remind, reminds me of my childhood and I really like it. And I also really like this game called Chrono Trigger that is amazing. Yeah, although to be fair, when that game came out, what were you, like two? When did it come out? 1995, right? Yeah. I was eight. That's awesome. I was much older. <laughs> but I didn't I didn't play it until I was in middle school. I played it on an emulator on a laptop. <laughs> and then I eventually, when I first got a debit card, it was the first thing I bought off eBay. Along with Ooh. the Super Nintendo. How much was it on eBay? It's 20 bucks. That's a little more than I paid for it. <laughs> Because I'm pretty sure that was the most expensive Super Nintendo game, at least in America. It was well worth it. It was sort of the Fantasy Star 4 of the Super Nintendo, because PS4 was like $90 when it came out or something. Right. Yeah, Chrono Trigger was uh, uh, 85 Whew. And I remember that because um, $85 is a whole lot of money when you're uh, 14. It's a whole lot of money so now. I remember. <laughs> I know, but like, just like, how do I, like, that's, that's... Like, you have to work for, like, weeks to get that kind of money, right? No, I traded in literally an entire grocery bag worth of stuff that was only worth $60, so I still paid 25 But I really wanted that game. And this is a really good track to pick to sort of represent Chrono Trigger. Not that we need to talk about Chrono Trigger like it's some unknown element, but, you know, everybody who's played Chrono Trigger loves Shala's theme or Scala's theme. School? Scala? I, Scala? You know, I don't know. That That's a debate I've had in my head for the last... 15 years. Well, it's is sort it of Shala like... or Scala? I well, always said Scala because of that, because Scholar. But well, it's no. sort of like, do you call it Time Circuits or Corridors of Time? It's the same song. You know, so, but I think, whatever your pronunciation is, I think it does a really good job of capturing that sort of mysterious thing that we all loved about Chrono Trigger. Like, you know, this was before... You know, not that Chrono Cross in any way is not perfect, because it is, and make this point all the time, people who don't like it are wrong, but it's sort of... Chrono Trigger has that otherworldliness to it right from the get-go, whereas Chrono Trigger has – it's a little more humble of a story, I, I would say, and a little more focused on this smaller group of characters. So, like, when you see her, she's this, like, mysterious character who's actually responsible for a lot of what's happening 
or not responsible, but involved in it to a great extent and, you know, totally Magus's motivation. And I think this captures her mystery really well. And the Blake Robinson version is fantastic. Yeah. I'm basically going to rip off my own uh, review of the soundtrack, but it's in my soundtrack. I described, well, I won't, I won't explain the yam thing, but it's, it's, he's so true to the original song. It's not really a, it's an arrangement, but he didn't really change the melody or anything about the song. It's just it that same song, but I don't know. I like the instrumentation a little better. It's more, it's whatever it was before, but more, if that makes any sense to anyone. No, I agree. I, I think, uh, I don't know. So again, Ivy Tron introduced me to what in, what it was called. Uh, so in quarters of time, time circuits, they had this instrument called the gamelan. And it, it was also in Shala's theme. And in here, it sounds like he's sort of done it as a drum. But I think it does capture the essence of the original sound pretty well, despite being a little different. And I like it a lot. Yeah, I love the instrumentation here. It, it kind of, the first thought I had was that it sounds kind of jazzy almost with the, the, the instrument. I think it's some sort of woodwind for the main melody and the drums in the background kind of made it feel like a jazzy version of the piece. Um, and I like that you, you mentioned otherworldly because that was another word I used to describe this piece, which I think is fitting for the character and for the game itself. Also, uh, the, the thing I love is the chimes that start the track off that that's for me, that's the iconic, I mean, the entire song is iconic, but that hearing that no matter what, if it's Chrono Trigger or Chrono Cross or any sort of uh, you know, remix or arrangement. That's like the the Pavlov's bell for yeah, for cues off a lot of people. You know what you're listening to. Yeah, you know you're t- you know you're listening to Zeal, the the part of Chrono Trigger that we were all like, oh my god, this is amazing, and you know, well, those of us that played it, we're all like, oh my god, this is amazing, and that sort of thing. I think that's captured really well by all of the tracks that play exclusively to characters or places in Zeal. Yeah. Well, plus it's like when you hear it in the game. You're walking through town, you're talking to this person and that person, and then that song starts, you're like, oh, this is really important, and now I'm going to pay more attention. Yeah, absolutely. And it, 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 it's othered from the rest of the music in yeah. such a way that it makes you realize this is a different moment in the story. Different, ex- important moment, rather. Right. Speaking of importance, Mike, I think you picked the first track of our next block. I did. I, You know, I was writing notes on the tracks we picked, and I actually kind of was going to relate these two songs together. I didn't realize you were going to put them back to back. So that worked out. Um, I don't want to get too spoilery, but, you know, Shala, her story is a little, it's a little tragic, I think. At least what becomes of her, uh, whatever. <laughs> Just a little bit. I, I think but at I, this point, spoilers are probably okay for Chrono Trigger. Well, you know, just in case there's anyone listening or hosting that hasn't played it. But it's true. Yeah. 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 Steven, you really should play it. Sure. <laughs> anyway, it's just, the there is... are all these things devouring my time. <laughs> I see. That just make my, you know, it's just, it's, t- it's tough. Ha <laughs> ha. You both are hilarious. Thank you. We try. Anyway, my point is that she has this like horrible fate, capital fate in Chrono Cross that she's kind of stuck in. And, uh, Midna, in Zelda Twilight Princess is kind of also stuck in this terrible place because of the events that happened to her in the game. So my first track in the next block is uh, Midna's 
<clears throat> Mendez Lamed. Oh my God, I can't see this. Okay. <laughs> my first my, track. My, my first track in this next block is Midnes Lament from The Legend of Zelda Twilight Princess. And then we have... I Steven. picked uh, JoJo's theme from Bahamut Lagoon, another game we haven't featured. Woo-hoo! Noriyuku Matsueda, who I thought was involved in Wild Arms, but is not actually. It turns out that this composer stopped in like 2005 or something. But uh, yeah, a really cool song from an SNES strategy RPG that involved dragons. And then Caitlin, you picked the last track in this block? Yes, I picked Hope's theme from Final Fantasy XIII 2. So, let's take a listen to Minna's Lament. Midna's Mike, you've See? cursed me. Midna's Lament, enunciation, tip of the tongue. Midna's Lament from Twilight Princess, JoJo's theme from Bahamut Lagoon, and Hope's theme from Final Fantasy XIII 2.
So the first thing I thought with this, and I guess maybe it's because this song has sort of become iconic for me, but I feel like it's from another Zelda. And I guess it's not because it's only Midna's theme, but I really like the piano. And, you know, I know roughly what happens with Midna. Actually, it's funny. My roommate and I were talking about it, yet not yes, just yesterday, as to like how it ends up. So I know what you're talking about. And it is sort of a sad story. And I think this does capture that sort of like weird mystery around Midna. Because when you get Midna, she doesn't really tell you much about herself, right? Like it sort of takes a while. Yeah. yeah. Well, she's very, very sarcastic and... She's like, you know what? You're going to do what I say, so deal with it. She kind of called, doesn't she call Link her minion or something? Something like that. As you're going to do what you're going to do what I want because I need this thing, and you know, I'll get you out of this jail cell. Seems fair. Yeah, yeah, I like this track a lot. I think it has a lot of atmosphere to it, and I, I wish I had more to say about it, but uh, I think it's sort of the part right around one. I think around one minute when it sort of brings in the strings in the background. That's my favorite part because I think that sort of captures the. It's hard to uh, it's hard to articulate. I do like it a lot though. See, I like it because, you know, like I said, she's well, she doesn't really just start off like sarcastic and yeah, I'm not sure if anger is the right word, but you know, she's not nice to you. <laughs> but uh, you know, there's obviously more to her, which is kind of funny because Zelda games are not known for that. You don't, no one plays a Zelda that's like, you know, I really like the story of that one, or I really like these characters because you know. It's usually Link and Zelda and some other people. But I think she's one of the better characters. Certainly one of the better sidekicks, I guess, considering before that we had an obnoxious fairy. And after that we had an obnoxious sword. But, you know, she's this. she seems like she's this. What like, about when we had a not obnoxious hat? The hat was cool. Yes, the hat was cool. Yes. Didn't That's harass cool. you all the time. Cool. Give you... When he did, it was cool because he had a beak. Yeah. And he didn't, like, pop up and be like, hey, you know, I think you have, like, a 79 and a half percent chance of survival of this encounter and i'm like can you go away now anyway but midna you know she's this she seems like she's this mean horrible thing that's just using you but you know she has a reason for it you know she's like this there's this vulnerable person inside and i think that's what this song shows it's like oh there's more to her than that that's a that's a really excellent point i like that and that's part of the reason I, 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 why I too really loved her character. I like characters and character relationships that kind of start off rocky and it's almost like I don't really want to do, have to have anything to do with this person and then you start learning things about them and you look at them in a different light and by the end of the adventure you're like the best of friends or you know more than that or whatever. I, I like seeing that progression from kind of at odds to buddy buddy well you know it's it's character development and i think that's a good thing to have especially in a game where your protagonist doesn't say anything i know and it's like and i love zelda games i love all zelda games but i wish i wish that wasn't such a rarity because what they did with her i think was a really great thing i wish there was development in more games yeah more like people that. should be able to talk to their shadow <laughs> i turn into a wolf like just just turn around and say so What's up? You don't do that already? Because I do. Told you okay. already, Mike. That's supposed to be a secret. Oh, right. Speaking of a secret, it's a secret to everyone. Bahamut Lagoon. JoJo's theme, I seriously thought this was... I thought Matsueda had done music for Wild Arms, and I guess I must be mistaken. But this has, like, Super Nintendo whistling. Reminds me of Wild Arms and maybe, like, a fusion of Wild Arms and Terranigma. 
but it's very like heartfelt and it, it captures that sort of quality that Super Nintendo music is so good at catching that it feels sort of, I don't know, humble, quiet, peaceful, but it's great. I love it. Um, I've only played this game a little bit, but it's so it's like that, this sort of a strategy RPG where, gosh, I can't remember, I believe you fight with dragons and they sort of all start to gather in one area, if I recall, the, the Bahamut's Lagoon. And, uh, you know, I don't remember hearing this song in the game, but going through the soundtrack, I was just reminded that this is a great song. Yeah, I love the word I wrote down for it was that the melody was very wistful sounding. Uh, it was a very, it's a very beautiful melody, and I like how it starts because I'm a fan of stuff starting simple and then kind of building from that. So I like how it's simple at the beginning with the harp, and I dig, I really dig that whistle. I've got a thing for whistles now, it seems. And then the strings come in, and and it, it it's it's much it's, it builds on what we heard before with the harp and reinforces it and kind of makes it a bit more dramatic. I like I like it when it works out that way. Yeah, and I think just, again, like you said, you like the whistling. I really like the Super Nintendo whistle synth. It just sounds really cool. Speaking of sounding really cool. Yeah, actually, my first thought, too, was that this person worked on Wild Arms because it definitely is a Wild Arms feel. And I thought it was a little weird that, you know, obviously Wild Arms is, you know, Western-y, like old Western-y. And I thought it was a little strange that this game could have this song that had this like kind of Western feel, and yet the game was released uh, three times, actually, in Japan, and still hasn't been here. <laughs> Apparently, it just face. came out this year on the Wii U, which I didn't know. So interesting. Maybe one day we'll get it. Maybe they'll remake it. Yeah. Square's been dipping into older games. They did the Saga games on DS. Maybe we'll get a Bahamut Lagoon localization along with Live Alive. I really want Racing Lagoon, because that was going to be the first racing RPG. I would play that. Yeah. Anyway, Caitlin has a song. Yes. I hope she does. I better, because what else am I doing on a music podcast if I don't? I hope she does. (laughs) Ha, ha. Stephen Myrink, ladies and gentlemen. Taylor's on the boards. Here all night. And on the boards as Taylor's. So, um, Hope, I I didn't, it's interesting. I didn't like him at first in 13. And then once he got the whole revenge thing out of his system midway through the game and started being like best buds with snow, I liked him a lot more. I actually felt like by the end of the game, he had grown a lot more as a character than pretty much the rest of the party. And that kind of continues in the 13 too. I mean, he's, he's when you first see him, he's a good 10 years older. So of course he's grown physically, but he's also continued to mature as a person. You know, he's, he's working, for a scientific research organization trying to find a way to fix the paradoxes, fix the paradox and save, you know, certain characters who got themselves frozen at the end of the first game. I don't know. Turned into architectural phenomena. Yeah. And I love how his theme kind of relates that. I mean, he's, he's grown, but he still kind of has some of those issues. Like he still misses his mom from the first game and I love how the, the, the way this track is structured kind of reflects both sides uh, the, the use of the guitar kind of harkens back to his theme in 13, which was also played with the guitar. And there's a very specific point at about two minutes in where there's a phrase that's literally taken from his theme in 13, uh, which also yeah, I kind like of, that part a lot, actually. Yeah. And that sort of, to me kind of represents his old self, the part of him that hasn't quite let go of what happened in that game. 
But then there are other elements like the I love the percussion, using the guitar itself as a percussion instrument. Yeah, the, pl- uh, the plucky guitar stuff is great. Yeah, it's so good. And having that there kind of gives the song a bit of movement, which I think ties into his character growth in, in 13 too, because it feels like he's he's trying to move forward. He's still kind of dealing with stuff in the past, but he's doing everything he can to move forward and get stronger. There's that word again, get stronger. And that's what I love about his character in the game and also about the, the, this track. Well stated. I Having not finished it, I can't speak too much to his character, but I do like it. So it's weird because 13.2 did sort of, at least to me, seem to discard some of what had happened in 13. Not <laughs> necessarily disregard that it happened, but not really focus on it. But I like that the music does sort of touch back on some of the f- musical themes. And I think ho- having Hope's theme do that is, is great because he's sort of one of those characters that I do think a lot of people hated him at first. I mean, I liked Snow better, so I was like, why is this kid so mad at him? Don't try to save his mom. What the hell? But, uh, you know, I like that the music reflects his growth in character. Yeah, I hadn't really thought about how his theme pulled in stuff in the first game because uh, for the most part, those three games aren't really good about keeping things, you know, what's the word? Consistent? The same? Yeah, I mean, the first two, there's a little bit. It's like, it's the second one's pretty different, and then everything, who knows what happened with Lightning Returns, but, you know, let's just forget everything we did. But I do like that, even if some events didn't tie to each other, I did like that the music was still tying the first two games together. And, and yeah, Hope is, I'm thinking about it since you were explaining it, but I think he does have more development than most everyone else. At least he's, in the first two games. Yeah, he definitely has more of a presence in 13-2 than pretty much every other character, Lightning included, ironically enough. He's like, well, he's, he's not really present even when she's in the game. Ah! <laughs> <laughs> I see what you did. Yeah. Well, I mean, look but, at, look at, just look at where Hope was. He's like, yeah. he was like some kid crying about his mom, which, yeah, I mean, it is sad. Well, but he yeah, went from that to about... saving the planet. Yeah, like, you know, he, when you're first introduced to him, he's he's too afraid to, to pick up a gun when Snow offers it to him. And when you first see him in 13-2, he's a badass, and he's he's throwing out his boomerang weapon to save Noel and Sarah before they get slaughtered by an enemy. And he's like, that's, I like that. And he continues that. That's the that. I mean, the boomerang. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, good track. Also a good track. You picked the first in our final block, Caitlin. And I, I sort of saved all my favorite tracks in this podcast for the last block. So get ready for it. So I picked Bonds of Sea and Fire from Xenogears. This is Bart's theme. At least I, I associate it with Bart because it gets used in a bunch of different areas where he's either predominantly featured or places that are connected with him, like the capital of Yvette or Fort Jasper. And it's quite possibly my favorite piece on the soundtrack, which is saying something because everything on that soundtrack is awesome. Yeah, like all of Disc 2. <laughs> no, I mean, seriously, all of Disc 2. Yes, yes. Uh, and I then I believe Mike had our next pick? Yes, my pick. A new game a- approaches. Imagine this is happening on a Smash Brothers picture. <laughs> okay. A challenger approaches? Yes. Yeah, I've been trying to get us to cover Mega Man Legends for a long time. And no one really opposed it, but no one is really like raring to go like review the game. So I figured at least I can get a Mega Man Legends track on the podcast. So this is We Are the Three Bond Brothers, even though there's 
two brothers and a sister, but you know, whatever. So it's the theme of the the three Bonds, your sort of rivals in the game. Tron Bond, T Bond, T Bone, and then and I then... picked the final tracks. So I cheated a little bit, and I don't care. So what I picked is Lady Theme Piano Arranged from the Shadowheart Special Sound CD, which is sort of an arrangement of tracks from Shadowhearts 1, 2, and 3. And this is for the character Lady in Shadowhearts 3, who is the main sort of antagonist. And I also am going to play a bit of the chunk from, I mean, at this point, Statute of Libertations on Spoilers is up. This is from the final boss track, which is called Lady Tears. It's a really great... As far as I recall, there's no actual version of her theme song in the soundtrack other than battle themes and this arrangement of it. So I really love the piano, and I have a lot to say about both of them. So for our final block, we've got Bonds of Sea and Fire, We Are the Three Bond Brothers, and Lady Themes.
So this is, like I mentioned, this is like my favorite piece on the entire soundtrack, which is, it's hard for me to say because like every track on the soundtrack is my favorite piece, but this is the one that I, whenever I hear it, I cannot do anything but hum along with it. I, I love it to death. I love how it starts off and there you've got, it's relatively simple with different parts doing different things, but they're still working together and making harmony. And then there's the melody comes in and then there's some extra complexity in the background. And then the refrain, oh, I, I, I'm, I'm almost speechless, but with how much I love that refrain, it's just so beautiful. I love the Celtic vibe that Mitsuda puts into a lot of his music. I love that it, it kind of sounds both sad and a little bit hopeful at the same time. I don't know. It's 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 Bart's theme, and I like Bart. He's not my favorite character in the game, but I like how you learn about what a kind of crappy life he's had after that point. Things happening, his kingdom getting taken over stuff with his cousin and all that all that you know it's 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 not super graphic or totally dark but it's it's not all sunshines and sunshine and bunnies either and yet he's he's always you know he's very he, hopeful about things and he keeps his chin up he never stops fighting never stops trying and i kind of i i feel like i can hear that in this piece a little bit anyway although Honestly, when I hear it, I'm just concentrating so much on how awesome the music is that sometimes I even forget that, oh yeah, this is Barge. And Barge's awesome because this is his theme. I agree with all of that. I would also say that what I've always liked about that track is sort of, and I, maybe this is just me reading sort of my own thoughts into it, but I feel like that song also sort of hints at the broader conspiracy that's brewing in the background when you first start hearing that. Like he's, he's talking about like the Fatima Jasper and like all this important stuff. You're like, what is everything? What is happening here? And for me, there's a lot of like tropey elements to the song. And I don't say that in the negative way, but I mean, that sort of like, it sort of has a lot of those like tropey Far East type sounds and like the tinkling chimes that sort of give it this like, we're out in the desert with mysterious people type of thing, which I don't, you know, they're tropes, but I think that that song is still executed very well. And I do definitely associate it with Bart. Yeah, that's a and, good and point. And Vari. <laughs> the best gear of all? Well, no, that would be Zeno Gears, but... Yeah, I agree. I, I wrote down that it kind of makes me feel like there's there's more than going on than meets the eye with this piece. It kind of has that kind of feel to it. And that also kind of, I think, relates back to Bart, because when you first meet him, oh, he's just this sand pirate that's annoying me and won't leave me alone. And I don't really want anything to do with him. And then, oh, maybe I find out that he's actually like the crown prince of this country and he's trying to get his kingdom back. And wow. Yeah. You know, I was, I like while we were listening to the episode or listening to the songs, I was maybe joking a little that Caitlin was cheating because I don't really, I don't think of Bart when I hear that song, but admittedly, I haven't played the game since 1998. The first thing I think of when I hear that song is all of disc two. And I don't think it plays during all the stuff in disc two, but I know some point when you have Faye sitting there on his little stool telling you stories is that song is playing unless i'm completely wrong it does play at some point during that but I think yeah a lot but of music plays during that it it makes me think of story time <laughs> that's what i always think of when i hear that song story time story yeah time. It, it's peaceful and you guys obviously got something way different out of it probably because you remember the game more than me so i just remember listening to stories with that song playing it's I a agree. good thing i love that song 
I, I also, hope you love the next song too, because it's it's one you picked. I don't. I don't really like it at all. So I will say, and this is going to be shocking for me. I actually don't especially have strong feelings towards that song. I have strong feelings towards the characters it, it represents and the games because I love those games. And I think within the context of the game, it's great. Honestly, I don't get a whole lot of it outside the game, but I still sort of am glad we have Mega Man Legends on the podcast because, you know, we don't have it anywhere else. Anywhere. Right. We should get on that. I, well, I was just referring to the fact that I can't play it on my Vita. Or, you know, I can't play 3 on my 3DS. Sad face. Yeah, I I can't say that I like it on the same level that I like, well, the last song, or the song before it. It's certainly not like, oh, I need to sit down and, you know, you know have some quiet time and listen to this because it's this moving. It isn't. It's this goofy, silly, kind of like a little grand, like a march, but then there's like a kazoo or some weird instrument playing. And it's bizarre, but it's it's totally those characters. And those characters are just so endearing. So that's that's why I like it. I wrote down Zany. That was like my description for this track because that's what it sounds like to me is Zany. Zany, crazy, weird, I don't know, whatever synonyms you can think of. And yeah, wh- whatever it is that, that synth that's the main melody is kind of cuckoo, but it's, I like it. It's, it's really kind of fun sounding in a crazy kind of way. Mm-hmm. And it, guess- it is fun, yeah, and it, it definitely suits the characters quite well. And then next, and then last but not least, so the Lady Theme, the Piano Arrange, and Lady Tears 2, which is this, the final boss track in Shadow Hearts 3. So for starters, the violins in that song are just great. Shadow Hearts has a very distinctive musical style, I think, and I really like Lady's Theme itself. It's sort of this very tragic song, and it's interesting because I was thinking about, like, the sort of linchpin of all three Shadow Hearts games and their plots, especially two and three, is sort of somebody making this like sacrifice for another person and how that has impacted things. And in the case of Shadow Hearts 2, it's Yuri and Alice, because Shadow Hearts 2 proceeds off the bad ending of Shadow Hearts 1. And it's just sort of it's it's very sad, but it also creates these really sort of good stories that are relatable, but also, you know, they're they're fantastical. But the fact that it's all just based on these relationships of these characters that care about each other so much, I really think that dynamic is captured in Lady's theme. Just the violins are really powerful, as you know, especially for non-Shimamura. Not that nobody but her can use violin, but, you know, I usually point out her violin. But I think it, it's sort of it, the piano version of it is very tender and it touches on that tragedy, tragedy of her character and how it mirrors the sacrifice Alice makes in Shadow Hearts 1 and 2. And I think the battle version of it, you know, the, the first two minutes is sort of the battle build up to it. But it's this awesome crescendo for this entire journey because, like, you know, it works in ladies theme. It works in just the violin going crazy right around, I think it's like 325 when it's sort of playing the main melody like crazy. But then in the background, her theme is going on the violin and just it's got the same drum fills that have played in every battle theme throughout the entire game playing the main theme of the game there. It's just this awesome finale that sort of pulls her character together as like this is the end of the journey, but does it in a really great way that purposes her musical presence for that. I uh, yeah, I really liked hearing it in that that boss theme. I, when I I listened to the piano arrangement first and I was like, OK, this is this is nice, pretty sad sounding but nice and then it was like okay it's it's not it's not bad it's it's good and then when i got to where it plays in that battle it's like this is awesome and i'm i'm glad that i listened to the piano arrangement and then when the about the the battle track because i think 
I had a stronger reaction to hearing it like that, arranged in a battle theme, having heard it first as more of a, a, a character theme, or at least played in a character theme kind of setting. Yeah, and that's that's sort of why I wanted to play both. I know it was technically cheating, but I felt like just playing one of them doesn't quite capture like why her character is important musically. Just because, you know, even though that, that piano arrangement's not from the game itself, you really need, I think having that background sort of keys you into the fact that this boss song is a character's song. This is not just some final boss or just some boss battle. This is some like a you know, monster. Yeah, like this is a really important moment and that it plays that theme with such intensity is just fantastic. I agree with all of that. It all sounds good. I don't know enough about Shadow Hearts. I just know those songs are great, and basically every song you've made me listen to is great. So moral, one of these days you're going to get me to play it. The moral of the story is that everybody should play Shadow Hearts because they're fantastic. Play all three of them. The third one is sillier and not quite as good as the other ones, but amazing. That's that's the moral of our episode today is play Shadow Hearts. Play, play all these games play, because they're all yeah, awesome. Yeah, you should play Final Fantasy VII, Xenoblade, Kingdom Hearts, Tales of Zillia, Shining the Holy Ark, Chrono Trigger, Bahamut Lagoon, 13-2, Xenogears, Mega Man Legends. You know, if you can find it on anything, because Capcom hates Mega Man. And on that depressing note, that seems like as good a time as any to wrap yeah. ourselves up here. Hey, yeah, it's, it's not... okay. Nintendo loves Mega Man. They do. I might even play as him in Smash later. And, of course, we love Mega Man. Yeah, Rhythm Encounter is a full supporter of Mega Man. <laughs> We're also a full supporter of our Music of the Year episode, which is coming. Uh, might be next. I think we might have another episode or two-ish before then. But I, we are looking for audience picks. I've gotten a, a bunch on Twitter. I've gotten a couple emails from you guys. You know, so if there's anything you want to hear, it doesn't have to be from 2014. Uh, it could be from anything. You know, so if there's some crazy Neo Geo song you want us to play, or you know, whatnot, or you want me to play 3,000 Falcom songs again, like last year, which is okay. I don't say that bitterly. I know everyone loves Falcom. So, but yeah, uh, email us at music at rpgfan.com, or you can go to our Twitter rpgfan, or you can get us on Twitter, which Caitlin. What's your Twitter handle? My Twitter handle is at Leon underscore Cazerol. And I'm SJM Talis with the at. And I'm Valkyrie Studio, also with an at. You could you could tag all three of us and tell us what you want. Or if there's something you really don't want to hear, you can tag us. Because I'd be interested to hear what you don't like. Might be opening up to a, uh, a can of worms there. But you know, <laughs> if someone's like, don't play One Wing and Angel, I'll be like, tonight's episode is exclusively Sephiroth remixes. But of course, you know, even outside of Music of the Year, if you have... Any suggestions or ideas for themes or music you'd like to hear or ways we can improve, please use that wonderfully easy-to-remember email address that Stephen just mentioned, music at rpgfan.com, or get in touch with us on the boards or at our Twitter handles, because uh, we'd love to hear from our listeners. We, we thrive on feedback because, I mean, we love talking and listening to RPG music, and we hope that you do, too. And so we want to be able to share all the best music with you. Um, and of course, you know, also to that extent, please rate us on iTunes, tell your friends, tell your family, tell anyone you think might like to listen to this music because we will play music. Even if you, you, even if you think they might not like, if you think they would refuse the idea, but you just trick them into listening it, that's okay too. Cause that's just sometimes what it takes. Just the necessity of a burgeoning medium, I suppose. But yes, as always, for Caitlin and for Mike and for myself. Thanks, everybody, for listening. Mike, I believe you picked our uh, final track, the guest choice, the perennial guest. Okay, yeah. So for our last track, I figured that we should have, um, you know, just for fun, all the Zeno games represented. So I picked uh, Junior's theme from Zeno Saga 2. Was it called Episode 2 or just 2? 
Xenosaga episode two, Jean Sates will good und boss. Oh, thank you for that. Yes. Yeah. Totally forgot about that part. Anyway, yeah, I, I love his theme. Even though he has multiple, this is my favorite of his themes. It is a great song. It's a great yes. pick. And so I think that'll wrap us up for the evening, taking us out. Junior's theme from Xenosaga episode two.